Lord one more shout this morning. How many know we serve a great big God, don't we? He is all powerful and he has everything that you need. And I'm excited because I'm kicking off a new three-week series today. And I've been really talking to the Lord about what to bring to our church and to the body of Christ. And I truly believe we're living in a season that is very prophetic. I think we're living in a, a season in the kingdom of God and in the church that dreams and promises are going to be fulfilled expediently fast. And I think there's a power on the word of God and the promises of God that have been spoken over your life individually, over your families, and over the church of Jesus Christ, and especially Faith Builders Church. There are words of God that are coming forth that this church is going to be a lighthouse on a hill. Amen. It is a lighthouse on a hill. And I believe God is doing so many credible things. And as I begin to pray this week, I, I want to talk about the enemy, uh, the devil. And I, as you know, as your pastor, I am not a devil-conscious preacher. I am not bringing any glory to the devil today. Amen. Because we know he has been defeated and he is under our feet. But he is still cunning and he is still deceptive and he will come to try to take away the promise of God from your life. Take away the word of God from your life. He'll try to paint a picture, a mirage that makes everything look opposite from what God is actually doing. So what I want to do over the next couple weeks is I just want to expose him. I want to expose him with the word of God, but I also want to equip you or remind you of the power you have in Christ over the works of the enemy. Amen. Because you have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. How many are so thankful for the Holy Spirit? And with the Holy Spirit, he leads us into wisdom. The Bible says he leads us into all truth. And when we have that remembrance of who we are, the enemy has no control over us. He can't steal my hope. He can't steal my dreams. He can't stop my children from serving God. He can't stop the blessings of God. But if we don't recognize the schemes or the way that he works in our life, we can be overwhelmed by the enemy. So let's talk about that today. When you understand how the enemy works, you know how to defeat him. When you understand and expose how he may be working in your life, you can break the forces of darkness. How many know we don't fight against flesh and blood? I know sometimes we want to poke our neighbor and say, that ain't true, because I, I don't like you today. <laughs> well, I don't like my boss today, right? Yes, we have things with people, but that is not our real battle. And we've got to step up as spiritual people and go, I'm not going to fight with flesh. I'm going to fight in the spirit where we have full authority. Amen. So what is the greatest deception of the enemy? I believe there's a few. But I think sometimes the enemy wants to minimize his cunning ways. You know, we see the enemy as he's just the, you know, the ears or the pitchfork or whatever it is in the tail. But I'm telling you, the devil is real. And he roams around as a lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he's roaming cuddly, he's roaming in the areas of your life to bring deception, to bring discouragement, to make you not feel good enough, and it's when we give in to his roaming in our life that he begins to take territory. So let's not minimize that the devil isn't real. And I can tell you, in, in the world we're living in today and in the last few months or so, I have been noticing the enemy is so bold in the world today. It used to be satanic realm kind of hit underground. 
You know, Satanism was hidden in the movies and all the seance. It was kind of just settling there. We just had a satanic conference in Scottsdale, Arizona last weekend. The devil is trying to come out bold like he has authority, like he has power. And we as the church need to stay up and say, stand up and say, no, you don't. No, you don't, Satan. You have no control over our city, over my children, over my life, and over my joy. So let's not forget that he is there, and he's in a realm that he can be cunning and active to his schemes. But as the Christians, when we step up, we can win the victory. Or we have run the victory, but you can take that victory in your life. The Bible says that God is light. Thank God. But the devil is the prince of darkness. God is truth, but the devil is the father of lies. Jesus is life, but the devil came to steal kill and to destroy he roams around our battle is not against flesh and blood so we're going to learn this morning how do i take the power of god in me and begin to defeat the devil that's in front of me and take my seated position in christ jesus because when jesus came he gave us all power and authority and he's seated at the right hand of god the father and the bible says that when he died and resurrected i came up with him so it's time for the church to come up with Jesus, see the perspective that God sees, sees the authority in your life, and the enemy will become small and insignificant in your life. So let's just talk about this a minute. The, a minute. the Lucifer was one of the three archangels, according to scripture that we read, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer, and he was the angel of worship. And the Bible calls him full of wisdom, and he was perfect in beauty. But as we know, Satan was into himself. Satan or Lucifer wanted to sit on the throne of God. He wanted to be chief authority. And so what happened? He created a rebellious army and he took a third of the angels who are now here living active on the earth. Think about that. The forces of the enemy is a rebellious group of angels that are what? Trying to buffet the will of God in your life. Trying to discourage the will of God in your life. Trying to steal your hopes and your dreams. Telling you it's too late. You've done too much. Maybe you've trusted God a little while. Maybe you've been fasting and praying for things. And things just aren't happening. It's the buffeting of the spiritual realm that is coming against you. And what you have to realize is that in heaven, when, when Satan fell here on earth, he still maintained his deceptive ability. He still maintained his beguiling ways, his plots and his schemes. That's his job here on earth. So if you find yourself in your life in a confusing state of mind, if you find yourself in a place where you can't get that breakthrough, or it feels like everybody's coming against you, am I talking to anybody this morning? That is not what you're facing in the natural. It is an enemy attack against you. And we, the church, have to stand up and recognize this attack. His plans in your life is to trap you. I'm not giving glory to him today. I'm exposing him. He wants to trap you. And guess what? Every one of us in this room has a different bait that he uses. And he knows exactly what he needs to do to twist that little emotion in you, to make you frustrated, to make you angry, to make you want to throw in the towel. In my walk with Jesus after all this time, I'm pretty aware of what he tries to use in my life. And I've learned to stand up and say, not today, Satan. You're not going to come in one minute and steal my joy. You are not going to come in and steal my peace. I woke up the other night and I woke up with this... Uh, 
pain in my, my throat, you know, that burning sensation where you're about to get sick. And, you know, that sickness that's going around. And I literally, I mean, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I jumped out of bed, and I said, no, in the name of Jesus, I am the healed of the Lord. I thank you for the healing balm of Gilead. Satan, you know, no sickness or disease shall come nigh my dwelling. And you know what? I took a little elderberry juice, and I went right back to bed. And you know what? I got up healed. Why? Because not today, Satan. You can't put symptoms in my body. You can't put fear in my life. You can't steal my joy because I know who I am. And we've got to quit taking the back seat to the defeating voices of the enemy and rise up. Amen. Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give any place to the devil. No place. As soon as he comes to tell you you're not good enough, that's not true. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I don't feel like it. That's not true. You have to rebuttal what the enemy says with the word of God when you know who you are. I'm not going to open up the door to the enemy, not one small little smidgen, because I tell you, he will come in like a flood. He will come in like a storm, and he will overtake your emotions. He will overtake your thoughts. He'll overtake your decisions, and all of a sudden, you find yourselves in the whirlwind of life because you gave one place to the trap of the enemy in your life. You are stronger than that, amen? I love this quote I found by C.S. Lewis. It says, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and is counterclaimed by Satan. See, you've been given all power and authority here on the earth, but the devil wants to steal it from you. He wants to steal your dreams and your desires and your hopes, but God is in the middle of it all. So this morning, I'm gonna, next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking about three things. One is that Satan is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. We're going to hit that strong today. Next couple of weeks, Satan is the accuser who attacks your hearts with accusations. You're not good enough. You're a failure. If they knew what you really did in your past, they wouldn't believe in you. Satan is the destroyer who attacks your will with pride. So let me tell you, it's not a matter if you're going to be under attack, the enemy is going to come and attack you. And if he hasn't, he's going to try to knock on your door to knock you off where God is taking you. And I have learned in my journey with Christ that the closer I am to that breakthrough, the devil's right there. He's right there to distract me with offense. He's right there to distract me with hopelessness. He's right there to have, I'll tell you, even since I put this message together, I've had personal attacks. And I shouldn't have been surprised. I should have known that the enemy doesn't want this message out. Because if you remember who you are, you will shake heaven and you will shake earth. And the devil will get behind you so quick. Listen, when you as a child of God walk into a room, you walk in with the presence of God. You walk in with the power of the Holy Spirit. You carry the anointing of God that every presence in that room has to bow its knee to the Spirit of God in you. So if you're walking into a toxic situation, I'm walking in, the devil has to flee in 100 directions. Amen? You have to see who you are, not how you feel, but who God is in your life. All right, let's look at some scripture. John 8, says this. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Listen to that. No truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. 
And if you read that in another translation, it says, at the core of his character, he is a liar. So everything the enemy brings against you, he is a liar. If it makes you feel worthless, that's a lie. If it makes you feel like you're not enough, that's a lie. If it makes you feel like you can't have a good marriage, that's a lie. Why? Because the core of the devil is he is a liar. Anything that God brings to you is hope, life, joy, peace, makes you feel good, makes you a conqueror, makes you an overcomer. You feel like you can take the world by force because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Nothing can overcome me because I have God in me. And the father of lies can try to tell me different. But listen, recognize his lies. He can speak no truth. Every time he talks, he lies. You can't trust a liar. How many of you would let people blatantly, you know, just lie to you? How much do you trust that relationship? Not at all. You're eventually going to let them exit your life and wave goodbye because I need the support of people who are going to believe in me. Let's let the, let the enemy exit your life. Don't believe his lies, amen, because only God can speak the truth. So what happens? Every time you listen to the enemy, you fall into shame. If you fall into looking back to the past, you've given voice to the enemy. If you feel like a failure, you've given voice to the lies of the enemy. If you feel like you're not enough, you've given voice to the enemy. Every one of us in this room have, have heard those voices of the enemy that says we are not enough. And the first thing that the devil will attack is this, the authority of the word of God. And he will attack it with his lies because the word of God is living and powerful. That'll be the first place that he will attack in your life. Amen. And if you look at Eve, when she was attacked in the garden, when the enemy came against her, the first thing he attacked her was, did God really say? You may get a word from God. You may get a vision from God. You may have a little peak of hope and the enemy's going to come. Oh, yeah, really? Is that really for you? Because that's probably for somebody else who's more perfect and spiritual in the kingdom. Probably who's somebody you think has it all together. Did God really say that for you? I don't think so. The enemy's going to question the word of God and plant lies in your heart. If you think about it, the devil could have attacked Eve in any way he wanted to. He didn't have to attack the word, but he knew if he got the word, he would get her. He could have attacked her in, you know, questioning the love for her husband. Who knows? Like, maybe Adam got sick of hearing her talk. Like, that's the only one he got to listen to. So maybe he's, you know, maybe he's like, yeah, my husband don't love me no more. Yeah, you're right. He's sick of hearing you. Like, you know, they might have gotten a lot. Who knows? I'm just kidding. I mean, Adam might have said, give me my rib back. Why did God give you my rib? <laughs> he could have used anything, right? Made her afraid, made her hate her life, made her jealousy. But he didn't. He attacked the word of God. The devil hates the word of God. He hates the word of God in you. He hates the promises that you stand on because he is beneath it and he will never rise above it. He is defeated by it and he has no power over it. The only weapon we have as believers is the word of God. Amen? We've got to get that word of God active on the inside of us again. So number one, the deceiver questioned God's word. Genesis 3.1, let's look at this. He, the serpent, said to the woman, did God really say? 
You must not eat from any tree in the garden. Now look at this. The devil didn't deny that God spoke. He made her question it. <laughs> so devil doesn't care if you get a word from God. You have to acknowledge that because we know when we hear from God, but he'll make you question it. Is that really for you? Is that ever going to happen in your life? You look at the word of God, you know, how God spoke into existence. And we can look at the word and the devil can be like, is that Bible really for today? I mean, it's 2022, PB. We should be able to get away with some things today. It's a different world. Devil makes us question the authority of the word of God. Life has evolved. Things have changed. No, the word of God is the final authority. It is the power and the voice and the breath of God. We cannot question God's word. Did God really say that for today? Why? Because when we question the authority or the written word of God, we begin to question the power of God. And then we allow the enemy to come in and lead us down a road of distraction. Lead us down a road of self-sabotage. Lead us down a road of broken relationships because we haven't let the word of God be the final authority in my life. Listen, my world has been shaken to the core many times in my walk with Jesus. And had it not been for my stabling factor of I go to the word of God, I would never have made it in this journey with Christ. Because you're going to get offended. You're going to get disappointed. People are going to say mean things to you. When you get a bunch of sheep in the barn, it stinks. It stinks. And we rub on each other. And we say wrong things. And we, we, we get offended. That happens. But guess what? I go back to the word of God. That I'm going to love my brother as I love Christ and love others as I love myself. That's what the word of God says. Love the Lord thy God with all their heart. Wanted to get that scripture right, because I do know it. <laughs> right? So what happens is when you start to question God, when you begin to question what God said in your life, question your season, you open up the door to the enemy, and we need to shut that door. Now listen, let me clarify this. You can ask questions. There's nothing wrong with that. You should ask questions, but not question whether God can do it. I'm not, I'm gonna, I need my answers, God, but I know you still sit on the throne, and I don't got it all figured out, but Lord, show me answers. That's opening to the Holy Spirit. But if I'm like, God, why didn't you do it for me? I mean, I prayed and fasted. I didn't plan it. Now, all of a sudden, you stepped out of faith, and you've opened up to the accuser of the brethren in your life. So let's look at this. God said in Genesis 2.16, God said, you may freely eat from any tree in the garden. That's like the open you can have whatever you want, but look at verse chapter 3, verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. What happened? She admitted the word freely. See, there was a point in her relationship and in this journey, however the long, time, long time it was, she was eating freely of every fruit and she was being satisfied. But we don't know the cunning voice of the enemy, how long he had become into her, and he took away the voice free, the word freely. Like maybe God was holding something back from her. Because God said, eat it all. And he said, I made every tree pleasant to the eye. I mean, think about that. That tree they were forbidden from looked pleasant to the eye. But God said, you have freedom to eat of everything. Just don't touch of this tree. But when the enemy, the snake had finally gotten to her, it made her question, well, not freely anymore. Like I can't have that one thing. Made her question 
what God said. The moment Satan started questioning God's word, Eve began to question God's goodness. When you start to question the goodness of God, it's easier to disobey the will of God. Do you see the deception? The second you eliminate God's possibility, you step out of the good things that God has for your life, the great things that God has for your life. Why? Because God is the only one who can, form, can do what you need him to do in your life. At this point, she may have started considering, is God really good? Or is he holding something back from me? How many has ever had something happen that didn't happen in your life? You're like, is God holding something back from me? Didn't happen in my time, my way. I didn't expect my life to look like this. And the deceiver begins to twist the promises of the word of God, which is point number two. The deceiver twists the word of God. Eve says, can we eat from any, from any but one or we will die? Look at chapter Genesis 3, verse 4. It says this. This is what Satan said to her. You will not certainly die. The word from God was, we can eat from any free tree, but not this one. Satan came and said, you will not certainly die, the servant said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, I want to look at that part of scripture when it says, you will be like God. He twisted the truth because guess what? Eve was already like God. She was already created in his image. Genesis 2 talks about it. When he made man, he made them in his likeness, in their likeness. He was just twisting the truth to make her feel like she was missing something when in reality she had everything God created her to be. And the same is true with you. You have everything God wants and desires for your life. Don't let the enemy twist that truth like it can't happen. Every promise in the word of God is for you. We just have to activate it in our life. And you may see some people a little ahead in the journey, and you may see some promises fulfilled. We don't understand the timing of God, but never waver from what the written word of God has to say about your life. Hang on to your promises. Hang on to your word of God. I'm telling you, in this season, the thing you've been believing God is about to manifest, and the deceptive voice of the enemy is coming so strong so that you'll lose focus of what God is really doing. He wants to bat you to the left and, and offend you to the right and distract you over here and all these things. And God's like, wait a minute, I'm right in front of you. Keep your eyes on me. I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. I wrote it out for you. I know the way, the time, the plan. Just keep looking at me. Don't give voice to the enemy. Amen. You've got what you need to receive what God has in your life. So he'll twist the word. He'll take the truth and say, well, it didn't work. I fasted 21 days this year. I didn't get my written promises. Didn't work. Nothing changed in my life. Seems to work for everybody else, but it's not working for me. Maybe you feel like God doesn't love you. God only loves perfect people. God sent his son for everyone. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And somebody may have a prettier Instagram page than you. That just looks all sparkles and unicorns. Like their marriage is perfect. Listen, married people, is marriage perfect? Say that a little louder. Married people? That's for the single people in the room. Aww. Life is not sparkles and rainbows and unicorns all the time. But when you know who you are in Christ, 
when you know the power of God in you, when you know God fights your battles for you, I can get up and joy every day and say, although hell may be against me, God is for me. And I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have peace. I'm going to laugh at my days to come that Proverbs talks about. I'm going to laugh at the enemy. Why? Because he's defeated. He wouldn't be whispering in my ears if something great wasn't about to come. He wouldn't send offenses my way if there wasn't about to be a promotion or a breakthrough. Amen? That's why the Bible says, count it all joy when you go through trials. Why? Because God is on my side. God is about to promote me. God is about to elevate me. God is about to give me my heart's desires. That's the time you dig in deep and say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I will not give in to anything but what God says about my life. That's when breakthrough happens. But what happens? We get on this merry-go-round of disappointment. Remember those park ones? Do they still have those? They're like dangerous. Those spinny ones, and then someone would be, the, the, be on the side and they'd be doing this. How many remember that? Guess where I was on that thing? Who can guess where I was on that thing? Nope. I was, that's too much work, pushing it. I was in the middle, hallelujah. I was like, I got this thing, hallelujah. You can do that when you're like 13. You got balance, you know, every muscle's working. But that's what the enemy puts us on. He puts us on this, and the ones hanging on them are for dear life, like their heads back and their hair's. <laughs> that's what y'all look like in the spirit. And God's like, what are they doing? And the devil's like this, yeah, man, this is cool. <laughs> Come on. Don't let the devil put you on that, whatever that thing's called. Merry-go-round, is that what it's called? Get off of it. <laughs> you wonder why you can't catch your balance and you're discouraged and you don't hear God. Get off of that merry-go-round. I'm stepping into Jesus. I'm stepping into the word of God. And I want to rely on the promises of God in this season because I'm not missing out what God has for me. If I knew how to rap, I'd rap right there. God should have given me more skills. I'd be like an even cooler preacher. You know, like those preachers that can sing so good, like this, oh, like they just bust out this, like, what? I can't even, I can't even sing. That's okay. All right, let me go. Where, where am I at here, guys? Remember, you're under attack. The enemy wants to come after you. He wants to come after your family, your marriage, your finances, your children. He wants to come after your faith and your church. Protect the church. Protect the church. It's God's bride. Amen? Let's protect it. Stand up for it. Watch over it. Because the enemy wants to come and bring distractions. Listen, if, the enemy, if an enemy was to come and knock on your doors or bust in your house, now we live in Arizona. I know you all are probably packing. But if an enemy was to come into your house... And you've got children in the hallway, you wouldn't open your eyes and go, geez, I hope they don't go down my kids' room. Or nudge your wife and say, hey, Jenny, you go get what you take care of them for. No. What are you going to do? You're going to stand up, and you're going to do what it takes if you've got to do this 
or you got to do this, or I will use the name of Jesus. But listen, you would not let the enemy come into your home and steal and hurt your family. You're going to stand up. Do the same thing for your kingdom house. Do the same thing for you and say, no, I'm not giving in to you. I'm not going to bow my knee to you. I am not beat down and discouraged. I have God on my side. Church, stand up. Don't literally stand up for Christ. It's time to take your position in Christ Jesus, not just on Sundays, Monday when things are coming against you, Tuesday when you get the call, Wednesday when something else sucks you in the, sucks you in the gut. Stand up for Christ. Amen. Don't let the enemy steal things from you. Stand up for your children and say, they may be going in the world, but they are not of the world. They have the power of God watching over them on the north, south, east, and west. And I will not fear what happens to my children because God is watching over them. Devil, you can't have my kids. And they're not serving you now, but they will. And I don't care if God has to use another homeless person to share the gospel with my kid. With the power of God, God can do what he can do. But you're not going to have my children. You're not going to have my marriage. You're not going to rob what matters the most to me in my life anymore. It's time to fight back. And fight back with the name of Jesus. I was talking with my sweet friend Ken here, and I said, you know, I don't pack a gun yet. I need to. I think the pastors or elders are afraid I might hurt myself. So I don't know. I did take a class, but still. Elder Jeff had to knock. I don't know if you remember that. We went shooting, and I kind of aimed at everybody. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Pay attention to the class. Yes. <laughs> I don't own a gun. Not to say I, I, would, I would. I just don't. Anyway, I truly believe I have this revelation. If harm was to come my way, I know the name of Jesus. I don't just say it. I know the name of Jesus. And I know that I can say that name and all hell has to obey because there's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the name above every name. The Bible says, and he's the strong tower that we run into for safety. Don't sit back and tolerate the enemy anymore. Don't wish for the best and hope things change. No, stand up. Say the name of Jesus. Then if you got to get up every day and declare the name of Jesus, you get up every day until you take back the territory that the devil stole from you. I know a friend of ours, Pastor Norm, back in the day, he had gotten saved, and he had an addiction to smoking cigarettes, and he wanted to, he wanted to be free from it. He didn't want that habit anymore. And so he said, you know, God, I'm going to go to the altar, and I'm going to get prayer. And he got prayer, and he still craved cigarettes. You know, and sometimes we want God to move so quick, don't we? And sometimes he does. And sometimes we have to walk things out. I don't understand it all, but sometimes we have to take that walk of faith. And he said, and he kept going back to it, and he was so defeated, and he loved God so much, but he had this stronghold in his life. And, and he said, okay, God, I tell you what. God said, thank me for every day that you don't smoke cigarettes. He said, okay, I can do that. So he couldn't even go a whole day without smoking a cigarette. So God said, okay, thank me for every five hours that you don't smoke a cigarette. He couldn't do it. Finally got down, God says, thank me for every minute that you don't smoke a cigarette. And he got that minute down. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe he failed, but he got back that one minute, then two minutes. I don't know exactly, but he took the territory. He fought that battle, and he didn't fall. I say, don't fall backwards. Fall forwards. At least I'm going to fall a little further in the direction I need to go, then fall back. Take territory. 
the name of Jesus, I've got victory. The word of God, I've got power. I'm an overcomer. And you declare the word of God every day. You will take territory until you are free. Sometimes you just got to let the devil you believe in. Amen. You got to let him know that you believe what the word of God says. Romans 8.11 says this. I have the same power that dwelt in Christ dwelling in me. That's so good. It doesn't say pastors have the same power. It doesn't say fivefold ministry has the same power. You have the same power that dwelt in Christ, that raised him from the dead. That power lives in you. That's wonder-working power. Remember that old song? Power, power, wonder-working power. Right? So the good news, listen, we don't fight against flesh and blood. But guess what? We don't use earthly weapons either. Don't use earthly weapons. It's time to take the weapons God gave us in the kingdom. There are defensive armors in the word of God, spiritual weapons. There's the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the belt of truth. Those are things that were defensive against the enemy. They protect us. But there's one offensive weapon he gave us, and it's the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. If you want to defeat the devil, it isn't him coming at you every time in the armor working. Sometimes you got to take that sword and you got to go after the devil. You got to go after that spirit and take that living, powerful word of God to defeat the devil. In scripture, there were two types of swords back in the day. One was big and heavy, and that was a sword that um, David fought with Goliath. You have to take two hands, and he cut off Goliath's head. Remember that? But there's a shorter one that was sharp on both edges. And it was hand-to-hand combat. And when the enemy would get close, they would close, they would slice in, and then they would slice out. Sometimes you gotta get close to the enemy. Sometimes you gotta get in with that word of God and declare God's word and seeing that word do what it was called to do. Hebrews 4:12 says this: for the word of God is alive. And active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Divide to the bones and, the, and, the, and asunder, the bones and the marrows. That means it goes in and comes out and it separates that which is trying to attach itself to you. That's the word of God. You can't defeat the battle you're going through with natural means. You will grow weary, you will go tired, and you'll want to throw in the towel and quit. Whatever you do here on earth, Echoes into eternity. Isn't that good? The battles that you're winning, the territories you're taking are going to echo into eternity forever. These choices that you make to win in the kingdom of God. When you use the word of God, it's how we do battle against the evil one. It's how we fight back. It's the spoken word of God. In this season, you're going to need to get the word of God for yourself, and you need to begin to declare what God's word says. When you take a step forward in the kingdom in faith, the devil wants to try to make you weak. When you begin to serve in the kingdom and find a place to serve, the devil's going to try to knock you down. When you begin to give with generosity, he's going to try to stop. Why? Because anything he can make weak, he can overpower. So what happens? When, when Jesus gave the greatest example, when he was hungry 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, at the time where his flesh was the weakest, that's when the enemy showed up. Tried to knock Jesus out of the pocket. Came to him and says, if you're the son of God, turn the rocks into bread. 
Jesus, what did he say? It is written. The Son of God had to declare the word of God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he's like, oh, yeah, let me try again. Because you're tired and weak. I'm going to come another little angle. Throw yourself down. But scripture says angels will be given charge over you and rescue you. Jesus said, it is written, don't put the Lord to test. So I was like, okay, one more time. He said, look all that I have. Talk about the arrogance. If you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. And what did Jesus say? It is written. Worship the Lord God and him alone. And what happened? The devil flew from him. And angels came and ministered to him. See, when you speak the word of God out of your mouth, angels will come and minister to you. And the enemy has to flee by the power of the word of God. But what's the situation? Psalms 119.11 says this. David said, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. What do we need to do? I better get God's word in my heart. Because listen, before it can come out of your mouth, it has to go in your heart. Got to get God's word in your heart. You may not know it by heart. Find little scriptures. Put post-it note places. Put them on your mirror. I did that. Put them in my car when I was offended. You know my story. I was so offended once at a leadership that I was under many years ago. But I uh, was so offended and I couldn't get past it. And I had my forgiveness cards and love cards right in the car with me. Because I'd be sitting at a red light going, all of a sudden you get that sick feeling. You're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember what they did to me. And I'm like, nope, word of God says I'm going to love unconditionally. Word of God says I'm going to forgive just as Christ forgave me. And I declared that word, and I had them in my little pocket there until I walked in freedom in that area of my life. Let the word of God come out of your mouth, and when you put it in your heart, it will be the first thing that comes out of your mouth. Instead of some other things that come out of our mouth. But I'm not preaching about that today. I'm not saying, I'm not even looking up. So we have to say, where's the word of God in my life? Where's the word of God in my life? There's a version app you can get on your phone. And it has different categories and different plans and, and wonderful studies. There's ways to get the word of God. Y'all know right where your Instagram app is. I'm not condemning you. I'm just pointing out. <laughs> I do too. We know where Facebook app is on the phone. Where's our Bible app? I'm guilty too. I put all my social media apps on the last screen on my iPhone. Because I don't want it to be the first thing I go to. It's easy. But we need to get the word of God in our hearts. And then do Facebook. Have fun. Right? But we've got to get that word of God hidden on the inside of us. Why? What does the word of God do for you? The word of God convicts you when you stray. And the word of God always keeps me in alignment. It directs me in the will of God. The word of God comforts me when I'm hurting. It encourages me to become who I am in Christ Jesus. It equips you to find the perfect will of God. It reminds you it's not about us, but it's about him. The word of God is the living bread. It's the nourishment to our souls, our spirits. It's not about condemning you. I'm trying to empower you today. And even if you just start off with a five-minute devotion on version, that's 
awesome. Start there. And let the hunger of God's word become so strong in your life. Because I'm telling you, if you just open up your Bible and point, it's going to sound like Charlie Brown's school teacher. You don't have to start there. You don't have to start in the Old Testament. Find something that you can study, a scripture that feeds you, that speaks to you, and let that be the start. I'm telling you, it'll be like finding a good steak place if you eat meat. You want more of it. And all of a sudden, you'll crave more of it. And all of a sudden, you'll be in a situation where that word will come right out of your mouth, and you'll be like, I didn't even know that was in me. Why? Because I hid it in my soul earlier. And when I needed to use it, it came out of me. Amen? Let me close with this this morning. When you're discouraged, the Bible says, why am I so downcast? Oh, my soul. I put my hope in God. When your family's under attack, the word of God says, no weapon formed against you can prosper. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you don't know, you can make it another day, and that happens. The Bible says, don't grow weary while doing good, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. When you get a diagnosis that isn't good, you can believe with your heart that God says all things are possible to those who can believe. And by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. When you don't know what to do, the Bible says trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When you feel condemned after what you've done and you've made mistakes and you've fallen back to some old ways, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When relationships are in trouble and your marriages are being challenged, love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't boast. It never fails. Perfect love casts out all fear. Listen, we've talked about the enemy today. We've exposed him a little bit. But I want you to know that Jesus is not just a gentle guy, soft and loving. He is, but he is also a warrior. He's a warrior, and he fought he will fight for you, and he continues to fight for you. And in Revelations 1, I want to close with this scripture, verses 14 through 16. It describes him, and it says, this is Jesus. And I've read this a few times, and every time I read it, it still touches me. It says, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. This is what Jesus looks like. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like a mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and look, a two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all of its brilliance. What was Jesus doing? He was speaking the word of God. Jesus was doing spiritual battle by the word of God. We need to do spiritual battle by the word of God. Amen. It's time to tell the devil, get behind me. It's time to say, no more, not today. I don't feel righteous, and I don't feel spiritual. And maybe you say, I'm not spiritual. If you have Jesus, you have all power and all authority to exercise the name of Jesus. And the more you do that, the more you'll step into God. The more you'll understand who you are instead of being beat down and discouraged and never getting to where God wants you to be. Amen. Let's go ahead and close our eyes this morning. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in each and every person that's here or watching online. 
I pray, God, that you empower us, that you stir us up. The Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us, God, I ask that you activate it, that you ignite it, that we will go out of here with a righteous anger today, an anger against the enemy of our soul, our families, and our destinies and our purpose. And we will say no more in the name of Jesus. We will rise up to be who you called us to be, God. We are overcomers and we are righteous in you. And I thank you for that, Father God. And I want to give everyone the opportunity to receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. And maybe you're here today and you just got away from the Lord. Maybe you got cold in the things of God or maybe this is your first time. The Bible says if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You won't have it all figured out but you'll have an eternity with Jesus Christ and we're gonna help you along the way. But I want you to say this prayer with me this morning. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you, forgive me of all of my sins. I need a savior. I need forgiveness and I receive your grace today. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Listen, I love you all so much. God is so good.